The Lifestylist, episode 86, featuring John Wineland. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Uh, my lovely listener, listen up. I've got an exciting announcement for you. I'm going to be hosting an event at the Soho House in West Hollywood on August 30th. And you, my friend, are invited. It's a free event. I'm going to be presenting my Mind, Body, and Spirit Solution program. Same one I just did a couple weeks ago in New York City. It was a huge hit. Tons of listeners came down and chilled. I had a blast. They had a blast. It was epic. I'm going to do it again in L.A. on Wednesday, August 30th at 10 a.m. at the Soho House in West Hollywood. Here's the deal, though. If you want to come, it's free. It's all good. But you have to RSVP quick because legit, I only have a few spots available on my guest list. It's a free event. This list that I'm going to put you on, if you make it in time, is like the list that my friends would go on. But you're a listener to the show, so I'm dissing my friends. I'm going to put you on that list so you can come hang out because I want to meet you because I haven't met you yet. I've met all my friends. I see their asses all the time. So here's what you have to do. You got to go to lukestory.com forward slash contact and just shoot me an email on the contact page that says RSVP Hollywood. If you make it in time, I'm going to email you back the details for the event on the 30th. If you don't hear back, no offense, it just means it already filled up. So that's Luke's Talk at the Soho House West Hollywood, uh, Wednesday, August 30th at 10 a.m. Go to lukestory.com forward slash contact. Shoot me an email that says you want to come and I'll do my best to get you in. Okay, and if you miss it, I will see you on the next one. Thanks. My name is Luke Story, and it is with immense gratitude and appreciation that I have the privilege to bring you yet another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And I'm not saying that lightly. I really mean it, you guys. It is such a pleasure to be able to do this show, especially the one I got to do for this episode with a second-time guest by the name of John Wineland. This interview covers John's concept of the six pillars of sexual and spiritual intimacy. But the funny thing is, even in two hours and 44 minutes, I think it was in total, we only got to three of them. But it doesn't matter because it was amazing. So we talk about the following topics, how the intention of sex determines the outcome, John's definition of true intimacy experienced as oneness, the fact that you must prepare your nervous system to handle intimacy. And this is a lot of what we did in that workshop. I was like, I can handle anything. I'm badass. Mm, Turns out not so much. A lot of breath work and just really holding space in my body helped me to learn how to do that. And then how early trauma imprints your nervous system and makes that intimacy scary. That's why we need to retrain our nervous systems in order just to handle being seen and actually being in union with another person. Then we deeply explore, of course, the role of the masculine and feminine energies and how they relate and how to keep the polarity and attraction and excitement alive in a relationship. How a man can access his own feminine energy and still maintain his power and redefine his sense of warriorhood. Sounds weird, but I experienced this. It was incredible. The process of opening your physical body to facilitate a deeper experience of love and the value of communication tools like Imago therapy, something I'm a huge fan of. It's just a matter of convincing your partner to do it with you on a regular basis rather than arguing or whatever. Why feminine energy craves being ravished and the emergence of the modern conscious man. And so it is with much gratitude and excitement, really, you guys can see how enthusiastic I am about this episode, that I give you part one of two, or if you're listening to the, well, I don't know. Actually, this is both parts. I'm going to use one intro for both parts. So if this is the first one, it's the first one, the second one, the second one. But I give you my guest, John Wineland, and uh, it's a really great episode. I'm so excited that you're here to listen. 
time for a shout out to my friends over at Organifi.com. Everyone knows that green juice is good for you now, right? You see it like in 7-Eleven. There's green juice everywhere. I love my green juice, but there's a couple problems with it. One, it usually comes in plastic, which is less than ideal. Two, it's loaded with sugar. A lot of these green juices that you think are healthy have like 25 grams of sugar. That's like a green Coca-Cola. Not good. But mainly the issue with the green juice phenomenon, for me personally, is that they're not very portable. Even if it comes in glass and it doesn't have sugar, I have to drink the whole thing at once if I'm in my car, I'm traveling or something like that. So they're just not quite convenient all of the time. And they'll just go bad if you leave them sitting there. So what Organifi has done is created this amazing superfood green juice blend that comes in a powdered form in a little packet that you can just throw in a bottle of water, any other drink, and make an instant super powerful green juice. So it's got 11 superfoods. It doesn't have any of the swag extra stuff that you don't need. It's just the stuff that you're actually going to feel. So it's got turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, little matcha green tea for an extra kick there, some coconut water for electrolytes and potassium. And then it's sweetened with monk fruit, which is awesome because it doesn't spike your blood sugar. It's got like a low glycemic index, unlike some of those green juices I mentioned. So it's a really great product. I've been using it for months. You've probably heard me talk about it before. I want to share an opportunity with you to save 20% if you want to check it out. All you have to do is go to Organifi.com and enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and you're going to save 20%. So that's Organifi.com with an I, not a Y. Use the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20%. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. This show is brought to you by my friends over at Clearlight Saunas. And I want to give you the opportunity here to save a considerable amount of cash if you're interested in purchasing an infrared sauna. If you go to healwithheat.com and enter the code LUKE, you're going to save $450 as well as receive free shipping and a free ergonomic backrest to use in the sauna. So you can go to healwithheat.com use the code Luke, or just give them a call. They're super cool people. It's a family-run business. You can call them at 800-317-5070. Now, why do I use an infrared sauna? Okay, let me just get into that. I use it for weight loss and increased metabolism. So basically, I'm losing weight, burning calories from just sitting on my ass in the sauna. This is you know, scientifically verifiable, and I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's not. Uh, muscle pain relief, immune system boosting, massive detoxification, improves the appearance of my skin, eases joint pain and stiffness, and it's just really good for stress and fatigue reduction. When you chill in an infrared sauna after about five minutes, what happens is you go into a parasympathetic nervous system state, which means you are cold chilling. So it's just really good for relaxation. Now, if you want to learn more about saunas in general, I'm going to suggest that you go back to my episode number 24 because the whole damn episode is about infrared saunas, okay? So again, if this is something you're looking into, I think they're the best in the market. They've got indoor and outdoor models starting at $24.95. They're very reasonable, really high quality. And again, if you use the code LUKE, you're going to save $450 off your purchase, free shipping, and a free gift by going to healwithheat.com or giving them a ring at 800-317-5070. For the better part of a decade, John Wineland, an LA-based speaker, teacher, and workshop facilitator, has been guiding both men and women in the realms of life purpose, relational communication, sexual intimacy, and embodiment. Known for his groundbreaking work with men and his vision to create 1,000 men's groups in the next five years, John travels worldwide teaching his vision of embodied men's work and deep emotional practice. John's embodiment-driven teaching draws not only from over 30 years' experience of his own Buddhist meditative practice, but from the deep lineages of Vajrayana, Tantra, and Kundalini Yoga, as well as the Taoist traditions of Iron Shirt to create a profound experience for men and women looking to create depth, passion, and boldness in their relationships and their lives. You're listening to part two of two with John Wineland. In terms of that masculine leading, in this culture, in big cities, in Western culture, in these times, I find as a man who really enjoys embodying that masculine energy, like 
I don't want to be the feminine energy in a relationship. I don't find it to be fulfilling at all. It's actually really draining. When I was younger and I was super artistic and I was on drugs and I had no clue how to tap into one iota of masculine energy, I ended up in relationships where the woman was like the leader, as you said, taking the lead. And I was like their little boy almost, like asking for permission. And I just, I had no self-esteem and it was horrible. So as I've sort of cultivated my own self-worth and integrity and done some work on myself in different areas, I very much enjoy holding that space and being the masculine energy in the relationship. But what I find and I know all my boys listening you know, to this podcast around the world, yo, rise up. No, um, even just all my guy friends that are, you know, in their 30s to, to 50s, all pretty much agree that it's very difficult in, say, a city like New York or Los Angeles to find a female partner who is at all interested in, has any awareness of, or is in any way capable of living in and cultivating that feminine energy, seemingly as a hangover of. some of the different waves of feminism Mm. and that when a woman hears like a guy say well i want to be able to lead a modern feminist woman's like motherfucker i don't need anyone to lead i got this right you know right so what's a poor woman to do who's unable to access her feminine energy like we're trying to learn how to be a healthy masculine energy person that has empathy and compassion and you know a certain softness and a sensitivity is non-violent is a totally cool spiritual person mm. but it can also bring in and be dependent on in that way what's a woman to do that's been sort of for lack of a better term brainwashed into thinking that the feminine is bad and weak mm. Well, this, like, can a woman I, I, turn it around once she's kind of gone down that road and has right. become really hardened and calloused and sort of, right. you know? Well, there's a toxic feminism, which is what you're talking about, which is that the feminine is weak or wrong. And lots of women learn that in their childhood, like, especially in this generation, their mothers, like, didn't want to depend on a man. And so they became so self-dependent and they imbued their daughters with don't depend on a man and, you know, all of those kinds of things there's a certain toxic feminism that I think women are having to unwind, but that's I've, a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would think what's most true for the women that I work with. And I've been you know, 80% of the people who follow me are women because women are more interested in relationship. I mean, I do a lot of men's work, but if you break down the numbers, like relationship, I always sell out my women's spots first. <laughs> really? Um, that's yeah, interesting. Always, always, that's always. Interesting. But what I'm finding is that they're hungry. Like, now they're self-sufficient. Now they're making enough money. Now they don't need a man, but their hearts are still aching. They can't deny who they are. And if they're born with a feminine essence, now this goes for gay men, lesbian women, anybody who is identified with a feminine essence and wants to sexually and relationally surrender some part of her heart. Right? I'm not talking about her bank account, her career direction or any of that. But in her heart, she wants to be penetrated by a man that she trusts or by a masculine presence that she trusts, then that person has a feminine essence. If man or woman wants to penetrate and really feel deeply and cause surrender and openness, then that person has a masculine sexual essence. We can't deny it. If we do, we get sick. And that's, I think, what's happening in modern relationship. So the trick is, to get to your question, is how does a woman who wants to cultivate more of her feminine do that? Well, a couple real easy ways to do that is just like start feeling pleasure in your body. Like, like take more baths, eat chocolate, put oil on yourself. Like whatever it is that starts to wake up the pleasure in your body, that's innately the feminine man or a woman, but if a woman wants that, like if you and I went to the spa and spent eight hours getting oil down <laughs> and massage. Funny, after and was, this recording, I'm actually going to the spa to get a massage. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to be walking out of there with very creative, fluid. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so That's true though. After a massage, you don't walk out and be like, all right, I want to kick ass and make some money. Right, you know? yeah. What am I going to do? What, what, yeah. Where's my to-do list? Yeah, right? yeah. So pleasure, like how can they add more pleasure? How can they add more movement? I work with a lot of women's teachers who teach dance and teach, you know, everybody from Sheila Kelly who does S factor and teaches sort of erotic dancing to, you know, to sacred dance. Um, so movement and feeling pleasure in their body is the first thing that they can do for a masculine practitioner. The first thing you can do is you can start to really train your body and your mind to rest as consciousness and get really 
deeply rooted there. Um, another thing that the feminine could do is spend more time with women. Like just the actual estrogen together creates a more of a feminine energy. So I don't actually think that women want to deny their feminine. I think that just in relationship, they've been so trained to be self-sufficient and they've also been hurt either by toxic masculine in their childhood. Their father didn't know how to love them or was absent. That happens a lot. So they're skittish around surrendering their heart to a man. And that requires us as masculine partners, you and I were, were both in that realm, to create containers and create this sort of impeccability around our relating that allows her to give us more of her heart. I think the problem is less, I mean, of course, is with women and men, but I really think that, I really think that if men stepped up and really got good at the things we're talking about, we would evoke naturally more feminine because they're dying to give it. I mean, the women that yeah. I talk to, they're dying to surrender their heart to a man that they trust. Maybe not the rest of their life, and why the fuck should they, man? They're doing a great job on their own, but their hearts, they're dying to surrender their hearts. Yeah, very, very well put. And that's been my experience, too, mm-hmm. as, as I've worked on myself and grown a bit in relationship. I might be in a relationship with a woman that has a career and is very driven in that way and is predominantly masculine. But as long as I don't sort of acquiesce to that energy mm-hmm. and I still hold my ground, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to acquiesce that like work, kick-ass, masculine energy when they're around me. Yeah. Or when they come home. Yeah. Or we're going to like butt heads like two mm-hmm. bull elk, you mm-hmm. know, and we're just, I mean, we won't even get past the first conversation, let alone the first date, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's, it's it, there's like, that polarity's got to be there or nothing is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, well, that's just. That, and that's part of the One of you set. is going to have to give. Yes. So. The skill set is, you know, for men is to learn how to artfully pull her out of her masculine. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, my partner, I mean, she's she's world dominating right now. She travels around the world. Literally she dominating. She's literally world, world dominating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, she will often show up with this kind of masculine body that she needs to hold in order to run three yoga studios and her little empire. And my value to her as a masculine partner is to skillfully move her out of that. And usually it's with laughter, it's with touch, it's with playfulness, it's with, you know, there's sometimes I'll use my feminine artfully, like I'll show her my vulnerable heart and then she'll crack a little bit and then I can kind of swoop in and pull her towards me. And so this is, this is the modern skill set. I think that men are going to have to learn. It's not like you're having, because I've been in relationships where we have conversations about it. Like she comes home from work, she's been kicking ass in that dominant masculine energy. I'm like, okay, it's time for you to switch now. And like, you know, actually like try to communicate when, you know, when the polarity's off, you know, and it's, it's almost like, I don't know. It's like, who's making dinner? All right, well you get out of the masculine and then I'll go feminine, you know, it's like, right. but I like what you're saying. You could just sort of in a more fluid, intuitive way, just work with that. If you have a partner that understands that paradigm and can yeah. kind of play into that. Yeah. And she's dying for it. I mean, sometimes she fights me on it. Like, you know, the part of the, you know, the feminine resists masculine leadership, like she'll test us and she'll resist it. And, but ultimately she's just testing to make sure that we're strong enough to handle her resistance. I pulled out all kinds of stops. I mean, I, I sometimes it's, the one thing that works really well is physicality. Like the minute I like spin her around or my, I press my belly into her, or I throw her over my shoulder, or I, you know, I'll, I'll go anywhere because I want her to relax into love. And when I do, I mean, it doesn't take long. She's pretty open. Right? She'll giggle in 10 seconds. And so it's one of those things that we just haven't been trained is how to skillfully navigate a woman from her masculine into her feminine, if that's what she really wants. I mean, you got to kind of know some women don't want that and that's totally cool. But most women I work with do want it. They just haven't figured out how to find a man who can do it. And they don't evoke it. You know, one of the things that I argue is that we're constantly evoking from our partners, right? Like the more present I am for longer, I'm going to evoke her feminine. It's like polarity. It's the, you know, Yogi Bhajan said it's a polarity planet. This happens in relationship. If she comes home and she's in her masculine and she's just kind of doing her thing and coming home, but I'm sitting in meditation and I'm just kind of hanging out or I'm just in consciousness or I'm doing something deep, right? I'm not on my phone or doing, you know, I'm actually deep. 
eventually she'll have to go into her feminine. Eventually something will soften because my consciousness is demanding it. Same thing as if I'm in my feminine and I'm like all emotional and she gets more devotional or so filled with love or so filled with worship or just so sweet or anything like that, she will actually out-feminine me and evoke my masculine response. It is so, I've seen this, people doubt it, but I've seen it time and time and time again. It's like relational physics. And so our work is less about finding the right person, although there's some of that for sure, but it's finding somebody who's responsive to our gift and who when you rest as consciousness, she naturally just kind of melts into a feminine way of being and vice versa. When you're like locked into nervousness or stress or anxiety, her feminine just totally relaxes your nervous system. And if we can do that, just keep evoking, evoking, evoking the best from each other, that's art in my opinion, you know. That's a better world to live in for everyone too. Totally. You bring a a child into that energy. I mean, that automatically, I'm I'm sort of feeling this nurturing, safe, protected kind of energetic environment for a kid. Yeah. You mentioned something interesting about when women get together in groups Mm -hmm. that that estrogen becomes dominant and they sort of naturally just um, entrain into the feminine mm-hmm. energy. And that's mm-hmm. weird because I never thought of it for them because I'm always thinking about my side of the street. Mm-hmm. But when I get off balance and I start getting shaky emotionally, I always intuitively want to be around groups of men. So I go to my mm-hmm. men's groups. I'll mm-hmm. hang out with the homies. Like I have to be around guys. Yeah, me too. Especially if I'm having relationship problems specifically. Just spending some time with a bunch of men in a room or going and doing something that's somewhat physical or whatever it might be, like it just makes me feel sane again. Mm. I never thought about it in in the context of the feminine energy too, that they get that same thing. Yeah. It's interesting in other cultures too. I feel like, I don't know if this is healthy or not, if it's just the way humans are wired and we're going against that. But I remember years ago, maybe 2004, I took a trip to India. And one of the first things I noticed was that if you just, this is in Southern India, which is quite a bit more conservative Mm -hmm. than the North, from what I understand, I've not been to the North, but I was in very rural villages and just way out there in the South. And when you go into town, you see groups of women hanging out Mm -hmm. and they see groups of men hanging out. Mm -hmm. You don't really see like co-mingled groups where the two sexes are all chilling at a coffee shop. It's like very segregated, unless it's a couple or a family with their kid or something like that. And even out in the rural areas, in the fields, there's groups of women working on shit, Mm -hmm. and then there's groups of dudes working Mm -hmm. on shit. And at the time, I remember thinking like, well, that's not cool. Like, why why is it so segregated? But there might, do you think that's a cultural thing that's, you know, been sort of like put upon us or... Is that just inherently how the human ape rolls? I mean, do you think we mm. would, in in a natural setting, like in an indigenous tribe or something like that, going back 100,000 years, would the men have sort of stuck together and the women stuck together? Yeah, totally. Except when it's time to come together in union of a partnership? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, we've had over 100,000 years of that kind of being and what, 200 years of the other kind of being? Right. right. So our nervous systems are set up so that, yeah, we act. That's why when you're with your men, friend, something deep relaxes in you because your nervous system remembers, oh, I'm supposed to be with men in order to touch my masculine essence. The masculine grows in solitude or with other men. The feminine grows in pleasure and with other women. And so our nervous systems remember this because for Christ's sake, man, we've had 100,000 years of evolution and it's only in the last, literally the last 50 years that that's become a norm where we're now commingling all the time. 50 years ago, it didn't even happen really the way it's happening now. Now, if you go to high school, it's so intermingled. There's really no, there's none of that if you go into a high school. And so the beautiful part of that is that kids today have really greatly developed masculines and feminines. Like they're kind of flowing back and forth, but they don't have any idea how to use it. So the millennials are in this space of like, whoa, like I'm comfortable. I'm, I, I'm, there's more bisexuality. There's more of that happening, but it's kind of neutralized. There's not really an artful, like being able to animate the extreme. Right. Yeah, and we have right. to learn to animate the extreme in order to create the maximum sexual energy. 
Okay, yeah. which leads me perfectly into my next uh, line of questioning, and that is polarity. Mm-hmm. And this is a word that gets thrown around a lot. And I just, I always, when I hear the word, I always think of batteries, you know, when you try to put two, or I'm sorry, magnets, magnets not yeah. batteries, two magnets. When you put the same side together, they like repel each other. And when you mm-hmm. put the opposite side, they're just glued together by this magnetism. Mm-hmm. And you hear that word in terms of attraction, they'll use the term, oh, we had this magnetism. Mm-hmm. And so, what is polarity? So the way you're using it, it's very much like the magnets, right? And sexual polarity is this arc. Well, there's two kinds of polarity I talked about. I mean, there's, you could have polarity like somebody who wants to be a dom and a submissive. That's a polarity, right? You could have somebody who's naturally grumpy and naturally light, right? And these people tend to attract each other because there's kind of a natural magnetic pull to the opposite. But in sexual polarity, it's really about... We both have masculine and feminine in us. In, I mean, I have a very strong feminine. Most guys you know, in my generation do because we were raised a lot with women. So we have lots of, I have lots of feminine energy and I have lots of masculine energy. I've had to learn to cultivate both so that when I want to inhabit the extreme masculine for sexual polarity, I will evoke the extreme feminine from my partner. And the capacity to do that, live in those extremes, to develop those extremes in our nervous system. Like, for example, if I sat you down in a workshop and I had you sort of meditate and stand a certain way and breathe a certain way and hold the space a certain way, and then I had a woman dance or like dance in pleasure, you guys would immediately start to create this massive um, arc of sexual energy. So she's animating to the extreme feminine energetics of pleasure, devotion, surrender, you're animating to the extreme, the masculine consciousness, stillness, depth, um, penetration. You guys put that together and it's insane. And there has, just, it has just, nothing to do with physicality. It's right, all energetic. Right. I think you just described why strip clubs make money. <laughs> totally. Except those guys are like, no, I know. you know? I know. But I'm just, I'm picturing like some stoic, like badass, you know, mm-hmm. just sitting there at a strip club watching the woman dance, you know? Yeah. Most no. of the guys aren't. They're just, they're, they're yeah. it, but if you take that, I mean, this is, this is an example David uses, take that 5,000 years back into India. That's exactly what they taught men and women to do. The women would be separate. They'd practice sacred dance and they'd be with the women the whole time. Men would come in. And if you wanted a sniff of that kind of devotional energy, you had to be solid like a rock. You had to be super solid to get into that temple. And, um, and you know, the Chinese and the, the, um, the, 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 tantric, the tantric practitioners in India, they knew this the thousands of years ago. What we're just discovering now... Um, is that if we want to really have the deepest kind of sexual relationships, I need to surrender my feminine. Like I may be coming home and feel just beat or exhausted or emotional or sad. And my capacity to surrender my emotionality and be in presence for a moment so that she can play the emotional partner, she can do this or, or, or she can be in those energies will create sexual energy. So one of us has to, in a sexual moment, surrender the feminine. One of us has to surrender the masculine. And then that way, there's that arc. And when you do that, you start there, right? All kinds of crazy shit can happen. And you mentioned before, too, how there can be um, an interplay between, sexually speaking, an interplay between the masculine and feminine energy where you might switch roles totally intermittently. And I, I've yeah. experienced that just in very pretty recently mm-hmm. i've never ever in my life before that ever considered that because i had some kind of macho idea mm-hmm. like i'd see like in a movie you always see like the seductress come in and push the guy on a bed mm-hmm. and like kind of hold him down and be dominant mm-hmm. and i was always like fuck that man never let a woman treat me like that mm-hmm. i'm the man you know like always wanting to be dominant in yeah. in the bedroom yeah and then i don't know maybe my mind just opened and i've just matured a little bit but there have been situations in which it did sort of switch and there's an interplay where you, yeah. know, you do surrender a little bit and embrace that it's healthy i mean, I mean yeah, it sounds healthy, healthy. it yeah. feels healthy it yeah. feels right but i think you have to really have an open mind and let go of a lot of preconceived ideas in order and and a certain degree of like self-confidence and security in who you are well and the other part has to be that. nourished too 
So what happens in relationships mainly is that, you know, I feel so malnourished because she's withheld her feminine for so long that there's no way I'm going to release my masculine. And like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm almost resentful at her faux masculinism, right? That I'm not going to let her play there and vice versa. Oh, I see. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I see you've got to be, what's happened in relationship now is there's so much malnourishment. Like women are not feeling the depth deeply penetrated and they're not, you know, presence is the currency. Presence is the modern currency. And if they're not feeling present and penetrated deeply by our hearts, our consciousness, they feel really malnourished. And vice versa, like, you know, there's nothing more nourishing, makes a man feel more alive than devotion, you know, sexual energy, naughtiness, sensuality. There's nothing that's like, I mean, men will kill for that. Men, Taj Mahal, all of that stuff, right? And we're just malnourishing each other by not animating the extremes. Once we do that and we really get nourished, then yeah, sure, play back and forth all the time, like make it really healthy. And the problem is, is that like you're talking about, a man has to be like okay with his feminine to go, all right, like I'm all yours. Yeah. Right? Like I'm all yours, like, you know, well, do with I, me what you will. So you mentioned something earlier about our generation. I'm in, I'm 46, mm-hmm. Are you, you're in your 40s. Yeah, I'm just about that, yeah. Like, okay, so yeah, I was raised by my mom predominantly, who was a pretty militant feminist born and raised in Berkeley in the 60s, you know? And so I was taught from an early age that men are bad, men are wrong. The masculine energy is all toxic. You described, you know, toxic masculine energy, Mm. toxic feminine. Any masculine energy was toxic and it was therefore wrong. And so, you know, I'm not blaming my mom. It's just the way things went. It was sort of weeded out of my you know, capacities and, and how I related to people. And it was demonstrated, the masculine was demonstrated for me, at least what I thought was masculine by my dad, who was very tough and angry and mm. just, he was a rough, rough customer. You mm. know what I'm saying? When mm. I was younger, we're super tight now and, you know, all has been healed. But uh, I was terrified of the masculine energy. So I didn't know how to display it. So I went into the arts and into music and into drugs and mm-hmm. basically killed off any shred of masculine right. energy that I had. So, right. When I sobered up and started to learn how to kind of cultivate that, or it wasn't even cultivate it, first just discovered that it even existed and then work with it, I sort of went a little too far the other mm-hmm. direction mm-hmm. and became kind of a dick for mm. a period of time. Because mm. it was like, I was so anti my feminine energy mm. that I was like, I'm no more people pleasing being a, a wuss and a pushover. Right. You know, I'm going to like come correct now. Right. And and then eventually, like the pendulum had to swing, what hopefully is back a little bit. I'd say in the center, mm. you know. But um, I think that that you're right when you say that those of us raised by women often have no role model for like what healthy masculine energy looks like. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so once you find it, it's like for me, I felt so empowered when I finally started being able to own that, that I'm like, I'm not ever moving from this position. And I sort of became frozen and thought, well, I'm never going to swing back the other way and explore my feminine energy. That happens a lot. Yeah. A lot of guys get rigid in one thing, right? Yeah. They get rigid about it and they feel like finally there's a little power. They're in touch with their essence that they've been denying and they, they hit it and they're like, okay, well I'm going to stay here. And part of what you're talking about is that, let's face it, modern society has had very little, let's call it sacred masculine. Like it's been very toxic. You know, the world's, you know, we, we've got great examples of the toxic masculine now, right? So the world has been run by the toxic masculine. And the sacred masculine, there's, you know, the archetypes of Jesus and Buddha and that kind of thing. But day-to-day life, we've been hit by the kind of toxic masculine that you described, kind of tough and hardworking and get it done. The John Wayne. John <laughs> the Wayne. John Wayne version, yeah. Right. So we're really discovering, like, what is, a, what is like a deep, sacred, masculine archetype? And I personally, I'm with you. This is why, you know, one of my passions is men's groups. So I'm starting men's groups all over the world. I teach men, men's leadership trainings. I teach guys how to lead men's groups. Because I agree with you, we need to this needs to be the discussion. Like, what is the sacred masculine? Where am I being a dick? Like, you know, what's, what's the fine line between me owning my terms, like the things that are my truths and are, are my hell yeses and imposing my will unreasonably on somebody. And those kinds of things take other, we, we, need, to, we need to have other conscious men take a look at us 
and go, no, man, that's, that's your term. No, that's you being a dick, right? And so we can tune each other up and show up with the deepest heart, right? And, uh, yeah, it's dude. Yeah. It's it's such a crucial time for for both men and women. I think it's a lot of women, or I think in my age group that went for the career and like I don't need a man. I can do this myself. I make my own money. Oh, they're dying. And then they wake up at forty eight, going like, "Shit, I don't have a kid or a husband. I have a cat. Right. You know, right. this isn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be because that CEO position or whatever it was didn't give them the the yeah. juice that they thought it would. And then for for us men, I mean, and I see this with younger guys too. It's like if you look at our media dude and our culture, men are just constantly like made fun of and clowned mm. on. And mm-hmm. there's like this reverse sexism almost where men mm. are just stupid jerks and we're fucking idiots. And yeah. like, I'm like, how are you supposed to act? You know, it's like, if you hold the door open for a woman, cause you're trying to be a gentleman, you're like, I don't need anyone to hold the door open for me. You're like, what? But I thought it's just, it's really confusing. It's like this hangover of feminism or whatever it is like we really do need leaders like you in the world that are helping us men go oh okay so i can own that space but i can still be kind and compassionate i think that's like that the version of masculinity that i had is like you know you fight you're tough you kick ass you know you don't show your feelings you don't cry right it's like, dude, what is more courageous than fucking crying in right. front of other people? If that's right. not tough, I don't know what tough is. Right. You right. know, to be... Yeah, it's redefining warriorhood. Okay, there you go. Right. Cool. Right. Yeah, and so warriorhood to me, I mean, I was just with a group of men this weekend, and one of the things they had me do as they were kind of tuning me up is they could tell I was really sad about something, but I'd kind of been holding it back. So they literally like took me there. Like they made me cry. And my practice was to, and it was a heartbreaking topic. It was about my daughter who's sick. So I had to stay with them, look them in the eyes, just like we had talked about at the beginning. I had to relax my nervous system and just tears streaming. I couldn't do this. I couldn't look away. I couldn't like, you know, do this thing. I had to literally be like wide open and grieving my, and you're right. That is warriorhood. Like that, that is the kind of thing that we are training our nervous systems to be in so that our hearts are completely open, but our spines are absolutely strong, right? You know, if you want to get the yogic thing, like strong spine, open heart. And that's awesome. When we do that, if we can train our bodies and our minds to live there, women will naturally trust us more. They'll naturally give us more of their hearts. They're fucking waiting for us to step up and do that. And you know, I work with a lot of women like like you described, you know, mid 40s, early 40s, really career driven and unable to pull themselves out of that kind of self-sufficient Dude, jail. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I've been on, I mean, not so much anymore, but years ago, I'd end up on a date with a woman that was stuck in that energy. And it's like, I had compassion, but it was I could see immediately it wasn't going to work. Like the first indication was, say, if I pick them up and I'm driving, they'd be like, no, turn right here and start <laughs> telling me how to drive. They couldn't <laughs> let go of even right. the driving. Right. I'm like, I got this. I've lived right. in LA 28 right. years. I think I know how to get to La Brea and Wilshire, you know? Right. right. And that would be the first indication that I'd just see like there'd be this power struggle of, mm-hmm. you know, we walk in the restaurant and they're talking to the maitre d' and like running shit and all that kind of stuff. Not that, hey, sometimes I just want to kick back and like right. let someone drive. Yeah, you order the food, you do, you know, you plan our vacation, whatever. But right. it's like that initial engagement I'd see and I'd go, oh man, I would feel so bad for them that they weren't able to even just for a moment, kind of just relax and let their hair down, so to right. speak, and just chill. Right. And then eventually right. I stopped even ending up on dates with women like that. Cause like right when we would meet, there'd just be no polarity, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Like we just immediately like bonk, bonk. Mm-hmm. We're just like knocking heads. Maybe we end up being buddies or we have a great chat or something, right. but there would never be any romantic intrigue mm-hmm. because the energies were too the same. And I wasn't yeah. about to like take the yeah. other role in the in the beginning. You well, know? we're in this bastion. I mean, people, women here tend to, are getting it a little more like, you know, where I live, I live in Santa Monica and Venice, like there's all these goddess movements and things right. like that. Right, yeah, that's true. So women are, are getting a little more information. Right. Um, but for the most part in New York and here, there's a lot of that real strong self-sufficiency, which again is beautiful and healthy to a point. And at some point, there's this place where they're actually pushing away the kind of man they would want to attract. 
right? If I'm so self-sufficient, what a conscious present man is dying for is a woman who's willing to surrender the deepest part of her heart to him. And if you are unwilling to show that part of your heart, you haven't practiced the yoga, so to speak, of like relaxing your nervous system and opening your body and pressing love through your body, then the kind of man that you want will never see you. Speaking to women, obviously, or feminine, obviously, because that part is so cloaked, he can't feel it. And so I can't tell you, like, where are the conscious men? Where are the conscious men? The conscious men could not see you because your heart is too closed. You're too self-sufficient. You're too proud of that. So proud of that that you won't relax it for a moment so that he can see the part of you that needs him. Right. It's almost like she's holding out a full cup. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you look in the cup, you're like, well, what? Uh, what? Where, where am I fitting yeah, in this? Where, yeah. Uh, yeah. How am I going to contribute here? How am I going to give? Yeah. Would you say it's true that giving is masculine energy and receiving is feminine energy then? Yeah. Well, there's Is that an no. I think that's. I think that's. I think there's penetration. Okay. I think you're right. In some ways, it is kind of a, like whoever's receiving, who's ever opening and receiving, is in the feminine, right? Whoever's penetrating, right, giving, is in the masculine. Um, however, there's this kind of the way it occurs to me when I practice or when I'm feeling it. It's more like a wash like a feminine energy is kind of like a wash. When a woman's in her feminine, it's so full that she's actually like, it's just washing, bathing me in light and love and, and I'm penetrating her heart. And then there's this kind of loop where I'm basically, if we're going to bring this to sexual yoga, she's her feminine energy. I'm actually circulating it with breath and awareness. So I'm circulating it down my front and up her spine and then down her front and up my spine and I'm actually circulating, I'm washing it in the room, right? So this is sexual yoga practice. So the energy she's supplying, the consciousness and direction I'm supplying, the structure I'm supplying. And I think that's kind of the way that I've learned to look at it. So yeah, I guess in a sense you're right. But the way that I see it play out most is that the masculine is directing the energy and providing the structure for the energy and the feminine is providing the actual energy. Would you say that the masculine energy feels safe when respected and that the feminine energy feels safe when cherished? Yeah. Yeah, I mean Pat I know Pat Pat Allen 101, right? So yeah, she's right. Um the great gifts we can give the feminine are to cherish her heart um or to cherish her feelings and ravish her heart. So I think where Pat is right is cherish her feelings, but I would add ravish her heart. Like the feminine wants to be ravished. The feminine wants to be seen. My feminine too, like, you know, we we're talking about this. If I'm, if I'm gonna surrender, like, go ahead, ravish me, right? But, but I'm gonna, I literally have to, I have to fight my own urge to ravish back, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so, yeah, I would say that. And the most powerful words I think that a feminine being can say to a masculine is, um, I trust you, I'll follow you anywhere. Damn, yeah. that sounds good. Doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. are you, are you, you'd be amazed at what happens to men's nervous system. Mine just yeah. lit up. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I'd love to hear that someday. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear that someday. Yeah, so if, if you know, a classic practice that, that David teaches is so beautiful is, the man sort of, they sync up and the man will say, I love you, you're so beautiful. And the woman will say, I trust you, I'll follow you anywhere. And they just kind of play that energetic oh, loop. Dude, that's it's awesome. magic, man. That's, it's magic. That's a yeah. fucking great takeaway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I asked the the Pat Allen question because I've noticed for myself in a relationship with a woman, and again, you know, listeners, ex excuse me for being heteronormative, but I, you know, I was like, right. I got really hung up on that because I got this really gnarly email. Yeah. And I was like, wait, at first I didn't even know what that was, but I'm like, that's the only way I could talk about mm. my subjective experience. But I, I do, I like the way you make it broad because obviously, like, not everyone is in a heterosexual relationship yeah. listening to this or in the world, you know, yeah. and, and they never have been. It's just more people are, I think, open about it now. Uh, but for me, as a, a hetero dude, 
I feel really safe when I'm respected. And the statement that you just made, you know, trust I it. trust you and I'll follow you. And yeah. you're like, oh, that just warms my heart when I'm respected. What I actually don't need from a relationship is someone to sort of couch my feelings mm. and accept my feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, not that I won't share like details of my life or ways that I feel, but in a relationship, I don't have a need at all to have someone like cherish my feelings and honor my feelings and like have empathy toward me mm. at all. Ever? Not really. You're unique, man. I know a lot of, lot of men who actually love that. I do need yeah. the men in my life right. to do that. This is what mm. has worked for me better. Mm. My close friends, like if I have a dilemma or a problem, something that I'm really fretting about, I go to my guys, I'm like, oh man, this going on. I might even cry, I might even emote, I might get it out of my system. And I'm going to go to them to find a solution. And then I'm going to go back within the confines of my relationship and share the pain, share the dilemma, be open about it, and share the solution. But I don't really have the need to get the solution or to be comforted. Okay, so I think there's a real, real big distinction. You get where here. I'm going? Yeah, with this? I do, I do. What most, the reason why I push like back on that. Like my feelings don't fucking matter in my relationship with a woman is what I'm saying. Well, I would say in your masculine, that's how you feel. Okay. But when you're in your feminine, I imagine you want to be seen. Okay. I imagine there are moments where you're like, oh man, I just wish she would like see me and like just acknowledge that I'm feeling X. I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling, what you touched upon though is what most women do is they will try to fix it. Yeah, or I they, don't like that. And, and that's the toxic piece. That's a boner killer. And men do it to women. Like, you know, you hear it all the time. Right. So the toxic masculine is, your emotions are too much, let me fix them. We do this for women all the time. Um, oh, I never, I never yeah. realized, like, that's why. So woman's like, ah, here, this thing's happening at work, and, da, da, da. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, stop talking, I'll fix it for you. Yeah. I thought that's because I'm a really great guy, but what you're saying is it's because I actually feel uncomfortable, like... Yeah, her emotions are too much. space for those emotions. Yeah. Okay, her emotions cool. are too much, and you love her, right? And you do want to fix it, so there's yeah. some of that too, but your emotions are too much. What, what they want is to just be seen. Right? And I think, the, I would argue the feminine in every man and every woman just wants to be seen when they're having deep emotions and wants to be loved. So the third stage masculine in a man or a woman gay, straight, doesn't matter. The third stage masculine is, I'm going to witness your feminine, um, your vulnerability, your heart, with absolute love and presence. Right? And then I'm going to play with it, love it, fuck it, nurture it, whatever it is that I need to do in order to honor it. That's the third stage masculine. Now, a woman can do that for a man. A man can do that for a woman. I don't think, I think in so many women that I'm working with, I'm actually teaching them how to do that for their men because their men are highly emotional and they could either make them wrong for it or they could take the masculine pole and take that moment and be the masculine in that moment to make their man's heart feel good. So this is getting really, wow. this is so, this has very little to do with gender. Right. I can see you that. You see what I'm yeah, saying? The yeah. further down the rabbit hole we go, I'm like, yeah, the meat suit and whether your parts are sticking out or sticking in yeah. don't really matter so no, much. No, it's, it's all, because, and I think our generation, again, has a, has a more developed emotional body. And then the feminists developed more of a straight body, right? So you've got this generation of men and women, one who's more emotional and one who's more stoic, let's say, just in their nervous systems. And yet the stoic ones are resenting the ones who are emotional now, just sort of like men have done to women for hundreds and thousands of years. So it's just kind of flipped on us. And the reason why this is my life work is because there's so, it is so, it is so complicated because we're human beings for Christ's sake, you know, no one's all masculine or all feminine. And we're, we're just trying to figure out like how to dance with each other, like how to make art. Like, I'm highly feminine, man. I have some, one of the things I, one of the reasons why I chose my partner is because when I get emotional, she's like right there. Now, five minutes later, after I feel heard and felt, you know, I can throw her down on the bed and, you know, we can play with it. But that energetic fluidity, the energetic agility to go back and forth is the dance that we're going into. Right? That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the uh, conversation here, but I'm very interested to know, and I'm sure the audience is too, where they can go to find your work and these workshops and stuff. I know I've been on your site personally a bunch of times. I'm like, I got to sign up for this. I got to get in there. <laughs> right, right. This is, I mean, this dude, to me, the work you're doing is like maybe the most important type of work because- yeah. 
this is going to inform the generations to follow when you have two conscious partners that are you know, uh, managing and teaching their offspring to be this way also. I mean, we can like reverse this sort of like sticking point that we're describing, all of this confusion. So yeah. how can people work with you uh, or even any, you know, if they're unable to do that, any other recommendations in terms of just things yeah. they could they could work on? I love the idea of the, the women going to great powerful women's groups and movements mm-hmm. and men kind of working on themselves and, you know, re-merging together with what yeah. they've learned. Yeah, that, well, they can contact me, johnwineland.com, pretty easy to find me. Um, I have a workshop in Hawaii in September. The one I have in a couple weeks is sold out, but the one I have in Hawaii is a beautiful way to come for five days, which is always awesome to dive into this work together, men and women, for five days. Um, and then I do a men's training that's a year-long training program in the men's work that we talked about. And then for the first time ever, I'm going to be offering a women's circle where I'm taking women through a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, how to, you know, how to attract a conscious man and what a conscious man is looking for and how to work with that in your body. And I've got women's teachers who are working out that I'm going to use to, cause I don't have a woman's body, so I can't teach that stuff, but I can certainly shepherd them through how to make these transitions that we're talking about from really strong career driven woman or strong, strong mother into someone who can surrender her heart and trust the man. So I'm doing that as well. So I've got, I'm just diving in with every fucking thing. I'm I'm like, where, where, where might this be needed? And so I'm diving in and they can find me at at my website. That's great. All right. Well, I've asked you, I asked you this question last time and I don't remember your answer offhand, but you've taught me tons of stuff today. You've taught the audience uh, watching on YouTube both of our Facebooks on Instagram. And then of course the main hub, which is the podcast taught us all so much who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that have influenced you, not even in this area per se, but just in general. Mm. Well, you know, my primary teacher is David data. So I recommend his books on lots of, you know, extrapolation on these subjects for what we talked about today. I'm going to say Alison Armstrong, who, is a woman who teaches a lot about Love her. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. I think yeah. she's just. Ooh, such, you just. I got to get her on the show. She'd be great, dude. Yeah, she'd be okay, great. Thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah, that. yeah. Um, Allison Armstrong is just fantastic. Um, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to recovery programs. You know, I'm sober twenty some odd years, and I keep going back into into the steps in different ways and working the principles of recovery in the twelve steps. And you know, I've got no problem outing my own anonymity. But I just love the principles of that, and um, and it's taught me so much. And the men's groups and the women's groups in recovery have taught me so much. So men have supported me through massive heartbreak. Um, so yeah, I have to give a shout out to cool. my brothers you, I in think recovery. you're the first guest to ever say that, and it, it is tricky too because I'm sober, and I you know I had to make a decision when I started the show: Am I going to talk about that? If so, how much detail am I going to go yeah. into? How do you give credit where credit's due without breaking certain traditions mm-hmm. of certain groups and things like that? It's like, you know, any 12-step group is anonymous in its nature, which means you don't talk about it on press, radio, and film. So I had to find kind of a vague way to not take the credit. Because if I tell someone like, yeah, I used to be addicted to crack and heroin, mm-hmm. and then I just decided one day right. to be strong and quit that shit. Yeah. You know, well, it's I'm like, not saying I'm a member of any specific 12-step group, yeah. right? And and yeah. uh, and so that's the way I've justified it. But I, but yeah, I, I love but, it. Yeah, but I am informed by that. That's deep spiritual work, man. Dude, I want dude, to give credit to that. After 20 plus years of being sober and, and working within that framework, and I've gone to all these other books and teachings and gurus and teachers, and I mean, I've studied every religion, every philosophy that I can possibly find that might benefit me from Kabbalah to tarot to Kundalini, whatever. It's like, there's all these different roads up to the top of the same goddamn mountain, you know? But I like that one because it's so simple. You know, it's just like core spiritual principles. If you learn them, put them in your life and practice them, they change who you are and you evolve. It's yeah. so powerful. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to say one last thing before sure. we go, which is that the message that, that's been coming to me around men and women is this idea of 100%. I'm not the first person to say it, but if we can, as men and women or straight men and straight women, gay men, gay women, whoever, whoever your partner is, take 100% responsibility for getting our partners into their essences and open the way we've been talking about it. If each of us takes 100% responsibility, I think that the impact is going to be massive. And so 
I would say to your listeners, you know, whatever's stopping you from doing that, that's your edge of practice. Whatever's stopping you from being like, look, I'm 100% responsible for making her feel like open and alive and filled with love tonight. How can I do that? So that would be my final parting words. I love that, yeah. dude. That's a great call to action. And it's yeah. funny, right as the end here, the gardener showed up. I'm hearing the, the hum of the leaf blowers and lawnmowers. So yeah. excellent timing. Thank you so right much. Uh, those of you listening to the podcast or watching on any of the various video channels, uh, everything that we talked about today is going to be in the show notes, including John's links and every book and everything we've discussed. To get those show notes, you want to go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter, which is right there on the homepage. And every week I will send you the show notes so you don't have to Google all this stuff later on. Mm. John, thank you so much, dude, yeah, for joining pleasure, me. I appreciate man. it. Really great to see you. I could sit here forever, but uh, the leaf blowers are calling. Right, no problem. Until next time. Right on, Luke. Thank you. Okay, that brings us to the end of part two of two with John Wineland. I don't know about you, but my mind is blown. This is an episode I'm probably going to listen to as the host, honestly, a few more times to get this stuff through my thick skull. There's such a wealth of information here. And as you heard in the intro, if you listen to that, this episode or the last one, I've just learned so much from John and his work as well as... Um, his co-leader in the workshop I went to, Kendra Kunov. And uh, I don't know, the two of them were just like a powerhouse and really able to hold the space for me to do a lot of deep inner work. And this is work that I think has been overdue for a long, long time. So I encourage you to go check out John, go to his website, watch his videos, uh, even go back and listen to the episode I did with him a few months ago. You can find it on lukestory.com. Uh, if you just click on Lifestylist Podcast, you'll find it there or just look back in your uh, feed in the iTunes app if you're listening to your phone. But anywho, really good stuff. I'm going all in. I want to grow. I want to keep learning. I want to keep expanding as a human and as a man. And uh, people like John are making that possible, which is great. So here's the deal. We've got another episode, of course, coming next Tuesday like clockwork. I'm never going to miss one. I don't care if I'm on my damn deathbed. Every Tuesday, you're going to get a brand new episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Next Tuesday is no exception. When my guest will be Ellie Burroughs of Mindful Meditation in New York City. She was uh, one of my guests when I did my little New York tour. I recorded a bunch of people in the city on my last trip there. I'm going to be doing another one shortly where I'm going to capture a bunch more interviews. But she's the uh, CEO of Mindful Meditation. They have a few locations around the city. And she's doing really cool stuff as well to promote consciousness, especially in the city, man. I mean, to live in New York, <laughs> you're actually going to have to meditate like five times a day to not end up going insane. And so her business, Mindful, is fantastic. So she's going to talk about how she started that, the whole purpose of it, this new, well, not new, but really the current awakening that we're having in metropolitan centers like New York and what she's doing to help uh, keep that going. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss that episode on Tuesday. And as always, a most sincere thank you for listening to me, the Lifestylist Podcast, and these fantastic guests that agreed to do my show. Sometimes I can't believe it. I'm like, really? You're going to let me interview you? Do you know who I am? I'm not... I'm not important enough. <laughs> I mean, like, I just get the most brilliant people on my show. I'm like, I've only been doing this a year. You know, sometimes I feel like I dupe people into agreeing to do it, you know, because they're just, they blow my goddamn mind so hard that, you know, I don't know. Maybe I still have to work on my self esteem and know that I have a good show. I guess I have a good show, right? If you're listening at the outro, the very end here, maybe I'm doing something right. But I, I just want to really, really thank you for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to share this with a friend. And I'll be uh, back at you on Tuesday. Hey guys, quick announcement. Our guest, John Wineland, and his partner, Guru Jagat, a past and very popular guest, are doing an event tonight in Los Angeles and on live stream. It's called Principles and Practices of Spiritual Intimacy. It's a workshop. It looks really cool. I guarantee you I would be there, but I'm up at Belcampo Farms as this airs, uh, learning all about sustainable agriculture and farming and jumping in creeks and shit. So I won't be there, but you should go. You can find the event at johnwineland.com forward slash events again that's tonight friday august 18th in los angeles or live stream go to that url and check it out
Hey, check this out. I recently launched something on my site called The Master Market. It's a super cool store where I've got different categories, whether it be spirituality, mind focus, outdoors, food, superfoods, supplements, bedroom, sleep, office, jet lag, biohacking. There's even a bookstore from some of my favorite books and books recommended by my guests. And what this is, is like a hub where you can go find all of the links to everything I've either used and vetted or I'm currently using in my life to build the ultimate lifestyle. So it's called The Master Market, Luke's Lifestyle List, and you can find it at lukestory.com forward slash store. Just go to my site and you'll see it in the navigation. Now, what's really cool about this is when you make a purchase through my store, I'm not actually selling you anything. I'm just curating a really dope place where you can go find the best stuff. So I get a piece of commission if you make a sale through the site. The vendor, of course, makes some cash because you buy and you get a place where you can go and save time and money from not having to look around for the best stuff and do all the research yourself. But what's even cooler is most of those items come with a custom discount code if you go through my site, which is pretty cool. So it's a win, 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 triple trifecta win. Great way to support my work and the podcast and the show, as well as the brands and your own health and well-being. Check it out. LukeStory.com forward slash store. 